Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Morning, how's everybody doing? Great. Well, I'm glad you're here. I know it's a long weekend. You were tempted to go away, right? Tempted to have a vacation, but you were here. I believe it's not because of you have no place to go, but your love for Christ is so great. You don't want to miss any Sunday, amen? <laughs> uh, I'm really excited for this Sunday because we are starting this new sermon series. We get a new journey through one of the most moving and touching love story in the Bible. It has all elements that love story should have. Tragedy, loss, disappear, hope, royalty, romance, and triumph. So during this month of February, you don't have to take your girlfriend or your wife if she is a you know, love story lover, okay? All you have to do is take her to this church, all right? And listen to this message and have her read the story because that will be enough. But this is not just story. This is a story within a story. This is a story of a part of greater, much greater story. And this is a story within a grand epic tale of God's redemption. How God's been redeeming his people according to his plan and his vision. How God's been bringing people from despair to delight, from hurt to hope. And you and I are finding ourselves in the middle of the story too. So we begin this new story based on the book of Ruth, okay? Um, the title of this series, whole series is a Ruth, the romance of redemption. The romance of God's redemption. How many of you actually have read this book, book of Ruth before? First God. Now it has only four chapters, okay? And as I said, only 85 verses. It will take you between 10 to 15 minutes to just sit down and read from the beginning to the end. But I'm not asking you to read the whole book, but I'm going to ask you just one chapter per week. Can we do that? Which will take only three to four minutes. And here's the reason why. You ever really love watching like some episode of uh, So Far From, like drama? And they have this always great way of ending, right? I want to know more. I just, oh, what's happening next scene? And they just end. Make you always wondering and waiting to watch that episode, right? That's what I'm hoping that I can do for you, all right? So that you can just read one chapter per week. Don't read the whole book of the Bible, all right? Now, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do for the next four weeks, um, I'm gonna take this book and move this book very slowly and thoroughly, okay? This is not the topical preaching. If there's a topic, I try to make my point to go to this topic. No, this is literally read a verse of the Bible and the feel and tension of this original leader might have felt. Okay? So that you will have a deeper and better understanding. If you are probably so used to this topic of preaching, 10, 15, 20 minutes of preaching, you might feel a little bit bored, but I believe you'll find more valuable lessons if you would just, just bear with me. Alright? Now, so, one thing that is why I begin, I want you to be aware as we study this book of Ruth is what anthropologists call ethnocentrism. Everybody heard this term, ethnocentrism? This is actually a normative human posture of my culture is normal culture and everyone else's word should look like just like mine, okay? 
As we start studying this book of Ruth especially, I'm going to ask you to set this um, understanding, this anthropocentrism aside. Okay? I mean, this slide really kind of explains everything. You go to Africa, to Africa, and you go to Mexico, to this South American, and what are you going to say to the Native Indian? Right? So the problem is, if you try to put your face, try to put your culture, try to put your own understanding into the face of these biblical characters, you're not going to have a full understanding or a deep understanding of what Holy Spirit inspired the scribe to write. So, which means it will take you and take a lot of cross-cultural endeavor, willing to open yourself, willing to take your culture, set aside, and step into their world. Now, I have a couple of um, exercises, very short exercise to give you how we can do that, um, how we can take this ethnocentrism aside um, by looking at this picture. Anybody know what this picture is? This is a picture of Sacred Heart. Um, can you tell me that who this guy is? You sure that's Jesus Christ? That's what we believe, right? Just look at the picture and look at his curly and some part of probably highlighted blonde hair and look at his skin and so pale and seems like this, this guy has never been out on the street, right? And look at his hands, they're so soft. Can you imagine the hands of you know, a carpenter's hands or those who are always out in these three plus years and holding people, helping people, those who are um, leading, okay? Now, this, this picture has been really formed, our understanding about, when we think about Lord Jesus Christ. Problem is, if you study the study, um, history enough, and well enough, you know that Jesus Christ is not like that. He's more of like this. His hair is more of like dark brown or black, -ish, and his eyes are also more of like like, too, okay? Um, it has more Middle Eastern faces. So the take away the ethnocentrism means you open yourself. Take your own norm and understanding about this, um, the culture, what's happening in the book of Ruth. I'm going to ask you just willing to open yourself. Let this author paint you over. Not you be the face of that biblical character and judge and understand and don't understand. Okay? Now, the book of Ruth is one of, actually, this I was going to show you. This is kind of step of being ethnocentrism. Now, the book of Ruth is one of two books that names after a woman, right? The first is the book of Ruth. What's the second one? Esther. Great. Right. There are a lot of biblical scholars here. Praise God for that. All right. Now, the book of Ruth is the only book that names after Gentile, pagan women in the Bible. I hope that really kind of you know brings you something and grab you and your understanding. Because by Holy Spirit, bring this book of Ruth in the 66 books of the Bible that itself really speaks of the volume about the lesson of how God's redemptive lesson and his plan, not just for Jewish people, for everybody. Now, the book of Ruth is also known the trailer version of the gospel, okay? Because this is not just a love story. As I said, this is a God's redemptive story. What's interesting is 
this story was happening, it happened about 16, if not 1500 years before the Jesus Christ was born. Through this story, God had taken and used this Gentile and pagan woman to fulfill, to let people know, foretell about what is going to happen through my people. Two things I want to ask you to just be aware if we want to study this book of Ruth is first time and places. We have to be understanding about the time and also places. First, time. Time, verse 1 of the chapter 1 says this. Let's read it all together. In the days when the judge ruled, there was a famine in the land. So I guess the book of Ruth was happening, what? In the middle of the time of judges. Okay? In the time of judges, I don't know if you can just say that. This is kind of the table of all the years of the Old Testament. Uh, starting from the, the judges, as a successor of Moses, I mean the Joshua. Joshua started entering into this promised land by the presence and providence of God. He was able to conquer this promised land, right? And then after that, they split it up and divide this land to 12. So that 12 tribes will be settling in there. And then the next era is the era of Jesus. Now the era of Jesus, if you are the Israelite, this is the time that you are not really proud of. Because everybody is own, pursuing their own pleasure. This is also the one of the weakest and worst times in the history of Israel. There are all sexual minorities, worshiping so many forced gods. And the, the last chapter and the last verse of the book of Judge, which will really sum up okay, what was happening there. Judges 21 25 says this In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he so fit. What does that mean? There's no king, there's no God. I mean, they consider there's as if there's no God, and everybody did whatever right and pleased their eyes. Whatever they feel and pleasant their eyes, they're only pursuing their own pleasure, their own goal, their own hope, their own prosperity. That's the time our book, Book of Ruth, is happening. Scholar says it's more of middle and toward end of this era because the book of Judges is between the 1400 BC and 1000 BC. So it's more in toward the 1000 BC is when this book of Ruth is happening. Now the second is place. Where is this book of Ruth taking place? Let's read it all together. There was a famine in the land. So men from the Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to leave for a while in the country of Moab. So they started their journey. Um, they used to live in the Bethlehem, and they had to go to the land called Moab because of what? Because of severe famine. Now let me try to explain to you how severe that famine was. The fact that they were willing to or they had to move into this land of Moab. Does Moab or Moabite ring your bell? Okay. This Moabite is one of the weakest race and people in the Bible. They actually came from the book of Genesis chapter 19. The story of Lot and two daughters. Two daughters want to be pregnant and have a baby. So what happened? Two daughter had his father, Lot, drunk and slept with his father, their father. And the first son that was born 
became an ancestor of this Moab. So this generation of Moab, this race is just well known by God's curse. There have always been just cursing by God. They're just seeking out the sexual immoralities, worshiping so many forced gods. And that's their life. So between uh, Israelite and Moabite, they don't, they, don't, they don't get along well. The fact that this Jewish family decided to move into the place which is only 50 miles from the Bethlehem to the plains of Moab. Only 50 to 60 miles. But they had to make this journey to be living in this foreign, hostile, and the, the country of a race that they don't even want to deal with that explains how severe that family was. There's no water, the grain, no vegetable. The, all the livestock that died of thirst and starvation. They did not have any choice but to move to Moab. This is when our first chapter begins. And then I entitled today's message, When Everything Goes Wrong. I should say this is at the first part of this message, When Everything Goes Wrong. Because the first chapter of the book of Ruth, someone with this phrase, when everything goes wrong. You ever had the moment, days, weeks, a month, perhaps even years in your life, feel like everything goes wrong. You try to do best in everything that you could do. But it seems like the more you do, the more problems arise. Everything seems to be against you. And you don't know what to do. Just want to throw in the towel. Just want to give up. You ever had that moment in your life? Yeah. I surely had, especially last year, beginning of last year, in 2018, when my, my wife and myself tried to have a baby. Three years already passed by. And there was no luck. And there was painful waiting, painful repetition of expecting and being discouraged, hoping and being despair. At the time, of course, our relationship weren't as good as it used to be. Constant arguments and some fight. And just a very difficult time. On top of that, I was experiencing my burning out moment my ministry. You know, constant pressure of preaching, teaching, and spiritual guiding and pastor caring for our people. And on top of that, I was experiencing some financial strain uh, because with one, one income, we start supporting our, our parents because we, they, they just support us so much for the last 10 years. I just feel like everything was going wrong. I want this Lord, I want this baby, I want this to be this always delight, this ministry, always spirit-filled. There are times, not on Sunday though, but there are times either Tuesday or Wednesday, as I was driving to church, I should be excited because I'm going to God's place. It's my privilege to come. This is my workplace where people only come and just worship. The worst place is my workplace. What a privilege, right? But I didn't feel that way. Those times, I didn't feel like this, this was my obligation, was my job to me. I was just driving, doing my job, sending, texting a couple of you know, emails and text messages, and just meeting a few people. That was the toughest time in my life. But little did I know, God was laying foundations using all my difficult times. 
even though I was crying out, I didn't pray much. All my prayer was just blaming on God. But little did I know God was laying a foundation, using my tragedy, using my difficult time, using my painful moment to fulfill His goal, to fulfill you know His promise. Fast forward, you know, we have Grace. Where's Grace, by the way? She's uh, she has great blessings in our lives, and like. Probably a few months after, Mina was, um, you know, offered to be teaching in Emerson, okay? So she got this part-time teaching job there. So everything just seems to be just resolving. It's not because of what I did, but because of I was, even though I, was, I wasn't faithful to God at the time, there are times I was just crying out, blaming on Him, but God was faithful to me. Amen? Yeah. That's what's happening. That's okay sometimes if you're struggling, just express your own, your sorrowful and your sorrow and your sadness to the Lord. Sometimes it's okay to just say, Lord, I'm giving up, I'm throwing my tongue. So God was always with you. God always never throw his towel in our lives. Okay? So I want you to just feel what's happening as we are to read the first three verses. Now, if you are to understand this clearly, you got to really do some uh, Hebrew words study. Because if you read the book of Ruth only in English, you don't really find the fullness of meaning. That's what I'm trying to teach you for the next four weeks, okay? But I want you to feel how this author and writer put this, what's happening in this one Jewish family. So cold, so brutal. Let's read all together. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Mahon and Pelion, and they were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about 10 years. By the way, you know the, the Orpha Winfrey? She named after the Orpha. Do you know how? So Orpha Winfrey's family are so um, illiterate. They don't really know this uh, you know, words in English well at the time. And they try to find one word, okay, the name of the people to name after this newborn girl. And they spelled it wrong. So instead of Orpha, that's why her name became Orpha. And that interesting. But anyway, that's a side cop. Alright, the so verse 5. Both Marhon and Killian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Just like that. Ten-year nightmare, this tragedy, sum up in this three quick verses, no details, no sympathy, and no background. It's just one tragedy built upon another tragedy, built upon another tragedy. After the loss of her husband, Naomi and her two sons married to Moabite women. Think about that. I'm sure when she had these two sons, that wasn't the picture that she had in her mind. The marrying this Israelite, my two sons, to Moabite women. But after loss of her husband, she needed to continue to um, you know, inherit their family legacies. So she had her two sons, Melhon and Talion, married to Orpha and Ruth. And what happened? In 10 years, 
after 10 years, both sons died. And now she's looking around and she finds herself, her husband is gone, her two sons are gone, and now she's left with two Moabite women. Can we relate to that? I'm sure that any of you probably not in that worst than were, you know, um, what's her name? Naomi experiencing right now. Okay? Everything seems to be going wrong in the Naomi. And we can we can stop here. Okay? And I'm gonna actually ask you to read this rest of the chapter to experience how God set this worst possible circumstance that was summed up in this short three verses to be able to use to experience and to fulfill God's great mission and his purpose. You know the Ruth, fast forward, give you the literal spoiler, and she is going to be on Jesus Christ's lineage. You know that, yeah. right? The loose, the new, a loose son, Obed, is the grandfather of King David. And King David is in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. When you read this book, I hope that you will have a deeper this understanding of this importance. This is not just four chapter of love story. This is a story the Holy Spirit intentionally put in the Old Testament, in the middle of Old Testament, to telling everybody his grand epitaph of God's redemption. I hope that you're excited to yes. come and finish this first chapter. Amen? Amen? And then let's pray. Father God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that we just kick off in this new sermon series. The book of Ruth, the romance of God's redemption. I ask you in the name of Jesus as we continue to read this and unpack and study the word by word and verse by verse and phrase by phrase, help us be always be mindful Ruth is not just the story, but Ruth is a story that we can relate to. Ruth is a story that God has given for me and for us. As we are going through all these different times, trials and tragedy, and all difficult times in our lives, help us always find hope, find a new hope, new living hope, by studying this book of Ruth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.